today on It's Time. Don't think it's strange when you go through fiery temptations and trials. And you say, it doesn't make sense. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So, follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word tonight, thank you for it. And we ask you now that you would bless, help each one of us remember what we're reading tonight, that it would sustain us, it would strengthen us, give us your insight and vision. And Father, thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. It's impossible as a Christian that we will not have adversity in this life. But really, the adversity and you standing up to it and succeeding over the adversity not only speaks well of your faith, but also drives those who would like to see you fail crazy. (laughs) Well, Paul the Apostle, arrested for being a Christian. We know that he was held, really, wrongfully, over two years without any kind of a trial, being a Roman citizen, denied really his rights, And so now there was a change in the governorship in that area. It went from Felix now to Festus. And Festus was a kind of a noble guy, but still wishing to do the Jews a favor there. Because as the governor of that area, he wanted to be in good relationship with those people. And so sometimes they would actually tamper with what was right in order to stay, you might say, on the good side of everybody else. Well, looking at this, verse 23 of uh, chapter 25, a little old ground here, but just set the stage as we go into chapter 26. So on the next day, when Agrippa... Bernice had come with great pomp and had entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city at Festus's command, Paul was brought in. This is really more of a a hearing than anything else. This was not a, a court case. And in fact, Paul had already appealed to Caesar at this point. Now he could have said by law, I've appealed to Caesar, I'm zipping it, okay? If you've ever been involved in any kind of legal dispute, legal issues, one of the things that a lawyer will tell you is don't talk to anyone. They don't want you to say something that later will turn around and bite you. So the idea, if you're in a lawsuit, you don't want to talk to really anyone. Paul was in a lawsuit for his life. And so the idea then would be that he would not speak. But Paul, and we all, as we've studied about the life of Paul, whether it was a small crowd or a big crowd, Paul took every opportunity he could to tell people about God's love. I like that about Paul. And he didn't really care about him personally. What he cared about was getting the gospel, the kingdom message out. So Paul now is 
you might say, being brought into this place where all these people are. Now, there's more of it than just that. The reason, again, if you weren't here last week as we uh, have been over a little bit of this already, they really didn't have anything to charge Paul of. He appeals to Caesar without really formal charges being levied against him. This is really crazy. And so, as they're brought in, many people believe that they were hoping that Paul would say something in his defense that they then could formally charge him by. That's why, again, many times, if you're ever involved in any kind of legal issues, they say, don't say anything until it's all over. Well, Paul, on the other hand, because he wanted to take every opportunity he could to tell people about the Lord, well, he went ahead and talked. Now, notice it says, Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here with us, uh, present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found out that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write in my uh, write to my Lord concerning him. This is a real problem here, friends. If you like to make notes in your Bible, you might want to put by verse 26, real problem. Because you have now a governor sending a, you might say a person that's been arrested as he appeals to Caesar without really any charges against him. This is a real problem. But you'll notice how the slide changes when it comes to deal with things of morality and Christianity versus things of the world. I don't know how many of you have had an opportunity on, um, if you have cable vision or, or uh, uh, satellite television, there's a thing called whale wars. Anybody heard of it? And one of the things they do is they say, now you have to be willing to risk your life to stop these people from whaling. And the world applauds it. Oh, save the whales. But it's kind of funny that if a person says, I want to stop the slaughter of human beings like an abortion clinic, they want to destroy them in every way that they can. You see, there's a hypocrisy that is rampant in the world. Satan said, all the kingdoms of them are mine and mine to whomever I want to give them to, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus didn't rebuke him and say, oh, no, no, wait a minute. No, they're not. They were given to Satan in the garden. And Satan has been in control of this world ever since. In fact, I see these programs, again, this whale wars thing just absolutely astounds me. We condemn the Somali pirates for going out and doing what the Somali pirates believe they are doing to take money from people to do what they want to do And you have people on anti-whaling ships breaking the law, attacking boats, and that's okay. The point is this. And by the way, I I, I don't want to kill whales either, just to let you know. But I I don't want to kill babies either. And, And I think Somali pirates shouldn't be stealing stuff. But the point is, it's a sliding scale. It's really funny what the media will let 
one individual slide on or give a pass to where somebody else that's an opposing viewpoint of their particular party, they'll crucify him over. Paul here has not been really formally charged. He's been held on rumors that he is perverting our Jewish traditions. Look what it says. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write to my Lord concerning him. Therefore, I have brought him out before you, especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after examination has taken place, I might have something to write about him. Huh. This is pretty sad. Uh, we'll bring this guy in. Hopefully, he'll say something that will incriminate himself so I'll have something to write to Caesar Augustus when, 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 they, when he goes to him. I'll have something to write why he's a bad guy. <laughs> this is crazy. Look at how the justice has been perverted because a person loves God. Jesus said, don't think it's strange when they persecute you. They did that of all the prophets of old as well. So always remember that. This is important. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not specify the charges against him. Whoa. Yeah, it, it really is. You're arrested. You're in prison for two years. You have to appeal to Caesar. And they say, it's really bad because we're sending him to Caesar without really charging him of anything. Don't think it's strange when you go through fiery temptations and trials. And you say, it doesn't make sense what they're doing to me. Exactly. Do you know why? Because the God of this world, Satan, principalities, the power of the air, does all kinds of evil things against those who call by the name of Christ. And, and so don't think it all strange when, when you get into something and you go, how did I get into this? I don't understand this. I can just tell you this. There are principalities and demonic activity and all kinds of things that go on and all that is necessary for those things to come to fruition, to become reality, is for a weak vessel, even a Christian, to succumb to the powers of darkness. See it all the way through the Bible. Look at Judas Iscariot. Walked with Jesus. Had Jesus' day planner. Knew where Jesus would be that evening when the crowds wouldn't be around. And for 30 pieces of silver, they sold Jesus' blackberry to the Pharisees. They sold them his day planner. They told him where they could find him. Well, Agrippa said to Paul, verse 1 of chapter 26, You're permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. Um, very quickly, as we would go back a, a week ago, the Pharisees and those that hated Paul had hired a very slick lawyer, an orator. And he is the one that brought these charges against Paul. Paul, on the other hand, speaks for himself. And he says, I think myself happy. 
King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I'm accused of by the Jews. Um, Let's look at this up close. He's in chains, as we'll read on here, though he could lift up his hand. I don't know how long the chain was because we're going to read that he was in chains. He says, I think myself happy. I I like that. I think myself happy. Think about that for a minute. I think myself happy. We've talked about this before, the difference between joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength, we'll often say. And we'll quote that out of the Bible. But there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is when things go my way. Blue sky, sunshine, and children saying hello. I'm happy. But when things aren't going so well, You're trying to do something, the wind's blowing hard, ripping the tarp off your boat because it's starting to rain, and all the things inside are getting wet. I'm not happy. Anybody that's been on vacation that's had that happen, isn't it funny that you remember that part of the vacation several years ago and you can't remember anything else? I don't understand that. Anyway. You can remember the flat tire on the way to the lake, but you can't remember anything you did at the lake. All you remember is taking the tire off and going to this little gas station, the guy talking to you and all. It's strange. Anyway. I'm not happy. But joy is different. Because joy comes from our heart. And joy is not predicated upon my surroundings, but joy is something that comes from within. Happiness, on the other hand, is not something from within, but predicated upon my surroundings. So there's a big difference. Now, Paul addresses this. He says, I think myself happy. What does he mean by that? You have control over your emotions. If you were to go into court as he did and go in there full of guile and bitterness, and he was angry at them for wrecking his life for two years, keeping him in chains and all these kinds of things. Ah, I'll tell you what I think. But you know, they were looking for dirt on him. They didn't have anything to write to Caesar concerning the reason they're even sending him or why he even had to appeal to Caesar. So here's the problem that they have. Paul comes in, not full of malice and bitterness, he comes in, I think myself happy. You see, you can think yourself happy right now. In the midst of all the problems that we have in our life, you can think yourself happy. How is that? Count your blessings, name them one by one, look and see what the Lord has done. You can control your emotions. Happiness is a control, or you might say a a part of our personality that we can control. I can choose to be sad. Crocodile tears. Or I can think myself happy and say, you know what? Yeah, I got things going on in my life, but you know what? The joy of the Lord is what generates my happiness. I think myself happy, King Agrippa. Because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning the things which I'm accused of by the Jews. He just walked out of prison. He was being accused And he still says, I haven't lost the victory. I like that. Especially because you're an expert in all the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. He was saying this in a very nice way. My sermon's going to be long. I like it. 
He wasn't going to leave out any details. So he says, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me patiently because I know that you're an expert concerning. See, actually he was. He actually was a convert to Judaism and he was fairly well skilled in understanding the Old Testament law. There was no New Testament at this time written. That was compiled sometime after 30, uh, 300 AD when they got together and, and decided what manuscripts were floating around at that time were authentic and which ones weren't. You see sometimes in the uh, news and things, the, the gospel of Judas, and everyone goes, oh, a new gospel. No, it was junk then, it's junk now. That's why it wasn't canonized. Just because a book they find is old doesn't mean it was good. Just like today. Just because a book is 20, 30, 50, 100 years old, it could have been junk then, just as it is junk now. That's the way it was with a lot of times these books that are written that come out and you'll see them oftentimes they make movies about them and different things like that. Just don't be ripped off by that. Don't let that uh, affect you because there's a lot of stuff that isn't true. Well, Agrippa had known the scriptures. He'd known the Old Testament. And so now, because he had a foundation, now, if you remember, whenever Paul would go into a city, the first place he would go would be to the synagogue. Why? Because, first of all, the Bible says, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. But he'd go to the the synagogue first because they had a basic understanding of Messiah from the Old Testament who would come. You cannot read the book of Isaiah without knowing that there was going to be a Messiah that was to suffer for the sins of us all. Isaiah 53 is an example. So, knowing that, Paul now gives his testimony. That, really important, is one of the most important things you as a Christian have that you can share. You can always share what God has done for you. The argument sometimes is, um, well, I haven't been a Christian very long, so I guess I don't have much to say. Oh, yeah, you do. As a matter of fact, when Paul got saved, uh, there on the road, as he went to Damascus in obedience, where the very thing that he did was begin to preach Christ right there in Damascus because he had his testimony. You have your testimony. You know what God has done for you. And nobody can refute that. So, You don't necessarily have to be a Bible scholar to share your faith, to share the gospel, because you can always share what God has done for you. This is exactly what Paul is doing here. My manner of life from my youth was spent from beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem. All the Jews know. Very true. This is one of the reasons, perhaps, they were so filled with acid to come after Paul was because he was one of them. As a matter of fact, this is why he wanted to go back to Jerusalem in the first place, where Agabus and everybody else had warned him, don't go to Jerusalem, because when you go there, they're going to put you in chains. The Holy Spirit repeatedly warned Paul not to go. He was so convinced because he was one of them that he could convince them that Christ was the answer. 
They all knew who Paul was. As a matter of fact, as we get down here a little bit farther, concerning some of those who died in faith, Stephen and others, the Bible here tells us, Paul says, I was one who had a consenting vote. Now, the only way you would have a consenting vote is if you were part of the Sanhedrin. So Paul had and was part of the Sanhedrin. So everybody knew what Paul was saying as he says here. My manner of life from my youth was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem. All the Jews know. And they knew me from the first if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. He's saying if they're honest, they know who I am. They know what I was like. They know I was a Pharisee. And Pharisees believed in life after death. They believed in angelic beings. They believed in the spiritual side, you might say, of the Old Testament. The Sadducees did not believe life after death. They didn't believe in angels. Um, they believed that the Bible was a nice, good, moral way to live. A code that you can live by. But the Pharisees believed that there was life after death and all these other things. It's kind of funny, and it shouldn't have come to any shock to them, that when Jesus rose from the dead, that yeah, that proves simply what the Pharisees actually believed, that there was life after death. So if they were willing and honest, they would testify that they knew what he was. Verse 6, And now I stand and I am judged... For the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope, say, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. Serving God night and day. We find different people in the Bible who ministered literally almost around the clock. It was something that they believed by strict dedication that this would attain the favor of God. And he says, For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? What's wrong with that kind of idea? Again, this is what the Pharisees taught religiously. It was just kind of surprising when it actually really happened for them. I guess it was hard for them. The idea, when it became reality, is sometimes harder to grasp. Have you ever done that where you said, I, I got to pinch myself to see if what, am, am I really, is this really happening? The reality sometimes is hard to take over the fantasy. Well, why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Verse 9, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I also did in Jerusalem many of the saints. I shut them up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. This is why they believe that he was part of the Sanhedrin. So he wasn't just somebody that was kind of on the inside track. He was actually somebody that was the inside track. Uh, being able to vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, 
compel them to blaspheme. Being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even in foreign cities. Didn't matter where they went, I was chasing them down. Look at the zeal that the Apostle Paul had to go after people that he didn't like. You you really realize what Jesus said when he said, love your enemies. Do good to those that persecute you and spitefully use you. Oh, man, I'll tell you, you look at this and it should tell you right there something is wrong. You can have religion but not know God. This was the problem that the, the Pharisees had. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.